remains hostile to the epiphania, hostile to humanity, and hostile to both. We covered the realm from hostility to ambiguity to benevolence. We probed the epiphania's fears, hopes, and dreams, their history and their mythology, and in our search found something. Every myth has a grain of truth. The Epiphania were an ancient race, even within their own concept of time. And as in many cultures, much of their history had long ago disintegrated into fable. But two things were certain about their history. They had no idea where their world of origin was, and they had no idea why they left. Their reasons were vast and varied. Curiosity, an invasion, a holy crusade. An internal war among the Epiphania that left their world uninhabitable. Manifest destiny in an attempt to bring the entire universe under the dominion of the Epiphania. A plague. A plague. That was the link between all of the permutations of the Epiphania civilizations. There was one single plague myth that varied with little deviation. Granted, they had many plague exodus myths, but one though it had many variations, seemed to be common. In the night of darkness, the Epiphania took to the stars to escape the wrath inflicted upon them by the god Anola for the crimes of the sun. The Epiphania dismissed the Analoma myth as an Oya Arendende, a fairy tale. I and many others wonder if it might contain a missing grain of truth or two within it. Do they really dismiss it? As a myth. Or is it a public smokescreen design? In every story, Analoma is the third planet. In a seven planet tertiary star system. Do you know how many three sun seven planet systems there are out there? Too many. And that's just and that's just the ones we know of. We do not have the resources necessary to commit to such a vast enterprise. Not even with all of humanity at risk. I wish I could. But it is a physical and fiscal impossibility. We 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 can. We cannot. Yes, we can. You're trying to make a silky adrafi out of an ant. No, think. Who has the most to gain out of discovering the Epiphania's homeworld? That's a crazy question. We do. Are you sure? <laughs> I think he just made a silky adrafi out of an iron. And with that, we began Operation Rayburn, the most classified project of the war. There's a saying that the most fleeting secrets are military secrets. And we made sure Rayburn would be fleeting, very fleeting. And with the news that we were looking for the ultimate doomsday device developed by an alien species to once again turn against the Epiphania, their search began with a reckless abandon fueled by a superstitious terror cultivated for eons upon eons. And we stoked the fire incessantly, stoked it until the Epiphania's discreet, clandestine search became a mad rush of desperation. And they diverted innumerable resources away from the war to the search. And with their search, regardless of whether it was by design or circumstances, the amount of information or disinformation grew to become not just unimaginable, but unfathomable. The number of estimated Epiphania homeworlds grew from 300 to 300,000. Project Rayburn was not working out quite the way we imagined.
but it did provide a smokescreen for our core project. And with the aid of our finest anthroastronomers and xenobiologists, we were able to cut the possibilities to three, and we evaluated the best choice. To most, the obvious choice seems less than obvious, and for obvious reasons. It was a tertiary star system, or what should have been a tertiary star system, except its three organic stars were dead. Orbiting the stellar cluster were three planets, four short of the seven in the Analoma Mythos, but not if you took into account the asteroid belts. There were four, but given their individual movement and individual masses, they made up the other four planets. We had seven dead planets and three dead stars. A coincidence? Probably not. Interesting. There's a micro-singularity in the system. A nano-black hole sucking.